We're going we're gonna to open uh, tonight with a, a bit of an activity, a game. Uh, here, here's what the game is called. Some of you guys have played it before. Uh, it's called I've, I've Never. Have you guys played this before? Okay. Uh, and if you haven't, let me explain. It's pretty self-explanatory. Um, I'm going I'm to give you some scenarios, all right? And if you have never done that scenario, never had that happen to you, never participated in it, etc., then what you're going to do is you're going to stand up, okay? Now, I'm going to forewarn you. I'm going to forewarn you. There is some potential anger, okay, uh, that has the potential to kind of come up out of us because of the things we're going to talk about. Uh, but listen, just play along. If you have never done these, uh, just identify yourself by simply standing so that we can celebrate, I promise, with you, okay? So number one, how about this? I've never had a headache. Anyone here who has never had a headache in their life, stand up right now so that we can identify you, okay? Hold on, do we have any? No? Zero people? Every single person in the, I, I thought for sure there'd be like three or four. Are you serious? This is lame. This is not going at all how I planned, right? Heidi had never had a headache until like, like six months ago. So I thought, well, Heidi can't be the only one. But I, well, let's, instead of I never, no, stand here. But how many of you guys get consistent migraines just on the other side? Okay. So uh, several of you, okay. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, seriously, I'm so sorry. Like I can't imagine. I, I don't get migraines. Are they pretty horrific? Okay, yeah, like everyone there who even didn't raise their hand is saying yes. Okay, how about this? Okay, next one. I've never, stand up, I've never broken a bone. Okay, if you've never broken a bone, stand up. Uh-huh, there we go. We're, I think about, it's about 30%. So most of, most of us have, just stay standing for a second. Stay standing for a second, all right? John Locke, what, what, how many bones have you broken, bro? Your little toe? That's embarrassing. Like, you, you should stand up, because that really, that doesn't count. Okay, thank you. Now, now he's standing. All right. Uh, let's see here. Who else, who else, like, is, who's broken, like, a really crazy bone here? Has anyone else just broken a, a, broken a wild bone? Okay, a funny bone? Okay. Yeah, what, what bone have you broken, bro? Uh, I broke his, uh, my heel and back, both my You broke your heel? Yeah. How'd you break your heel? Uh, Roller skating? Okay, sounds like a long story. Everyone grab a seat. Everyone grab a seat. We'll catch up later, okay? I promise. Time is of the essence here, bro, okay? How about this one? I've never thrown up, okay? And I'm talking like in your adult life, okay? How many of you guys have never, ever thrown up? Are you serious? Dude, this is the worst game ever. Oh, wait, is there one? Oh, Yes. Yes! Hold on, stay standing. I know this is totally awkward. This is exactly what I was hoping for, okay? I prayed for this moment, all right? Uh, so what's your name? Lydia. Lydia. Do you understand how much of a gift this is? Do you understand? Okay? The rest of us right now are really struggling on our insides, okay? Almost to the point of vomitus because you have never done that, okay? So celebrate it, right? It's, that's like crazy cool. It's so weird. So one of whatever, 400 and some in here, that's well done. You can grab it. So let's give it up for her because that's just like, that's worth. Yes. I thought it was going to be lame, but then it was perfect, the one person. Okay. Lastly, how about this? I've never taken ibuprofen. If you've never taken ibuprofen, okay, stand up. There we go. Okay. But those dudes use essential oils. What else? What else? 
What else? Anybody else? Seriously? Hold on. Kip, are you standing or are you, are you part- Okay, no, you're sitting. All right, so, so bring me into this, okay? Never take an ibuprofen for what, for what reason? Like what? You just never needed it or what? Mom gave you Tylenol. Okay, so Tylenol was your brand, okay? Okay, fair enough. Same, same deal? Are you guys brothers? So that makes sense, okay? That makes sense, all right? Now, okay, thank you so much. How many of you guys have ever, like, pounded so much ibuprofen you could feel it in your liver, okay? And it, yes, okay? Right? Like, the bo- like you, you, always say, you always think to yourself, like, the bottle really can't be accurate, you know? Like... 2,000 milligrams of this can't be too bad for you. And then you take them and you can like feel your liver like coming out of the side, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. All of those I've nevers, uh, as many of you uh, have already seen, were body related. Okay. Uh, the body is a very, very interesting thing. Here, here is the general aging process of the human male. Okay. I'll check this out. All right. I know it looks like, like Darwin evolution, but this is... This is the aging process, okay? Um, so baby, eventual belly, and then, you know, somewhat, you know, kind of, again, like ready to, ready to get old. And, and this, is, this is what happens to all of us. How many of you just admittingly really, really struggle with the thought of getting old here? How many of you guys really struggle with it? Yeah, not too many of us, okay, and many who aren't willing to admit it. So I, I want things to get kind of... Um, uh, intense for a moment between you and yourself. Uh, I'm going to ask you three questions about your body. Uh, the potential for this to be awkward is yes, hi, I understand. All right. No need to answer these out loud. Okay, but I'm interested. Three questions about your body. Question number one is this Do you like your body? It's a, it's a weird question, you know, I, I understand. You like your body. Question number two, let the heaviness of this one sit on you for a second. How much time do you spend working on your body? Okay, take that for all the pieces that it means. You look at your daily uh, routine, the hours you spend, how much time you spend working on your body. Last question about your body is this. Is your body more of a source of encouragement or discouragement? Uh, now, some of you uh, are, are really, really wondering because we've been studying the resurrection. Uh, you're like, how in the world is this going to connect with anything tonight? Right? Uh, well, funny thing. I've literally spent my entire life confused about the resurrection body. I mean that. Like people have come up to, and asked me in, in earlier days of ministry, so tell me about the resurrection body. I could point you to the text we're going to study tonight, but in terms of understanding it, in terms of, of realizing like what happens to this natural physical body in the heavenlies, I couldn't give you a, a good solid answer. There's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of movies out there. My thought is tonight, why don't we learn from the scripture? Is that cool with you guys? So my thought tonight is, why don't we leave uh, cultural relativism, why don't we leave myth and fairy tale, and instead, why don't we open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, part 5 of the resurrection chapter, and why don't together we learn what is going to happen to this body 
when we're with the Lord in heaven. Open your Bibles. Let's get going. This is going to be a crazy, fun, I hope, again, slightly awkward, I'm sure, uh, journey. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to rock verse 35 to 49. That leaves one part for next week. And I just want to go ahead and, and put this in your mind. Listen, you do not want to miss next week as we close this chapter. Uh, we're already anticipating it. Super, super excited. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. You guys all there? Verse 35. One verse at a time here. But someone will ask. Again, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. We've said many times the church in Corinth is a hot mess. They're deeply struggling with maturing in Christ. But someone will ask, and my, my only guess is that someone has asked this of Paul. Paul has heard that this is a common question. How are the dead raised, and with what kind of body do they come? I want to admit to you, I, I feel like these are the two most fair questions that Paul has listed out in, in Corinthians about the church in Corinth. They, they've asked, listen, a ton of ridiculous questions. I think here, these are, these are fair questions because I'm guessing every single one of you, like me, has wondered. Like, what happens? What, what is this going to look like? When I, when I get in heaven, am I going to recognize people? Right? Are, are we still going to have some of the same uh, resemblances that we do now? Will I still have blonde, spiky hair in heaven? Right? Will my beard be a little fuller in heaven? Right? Like, and all of you have wondered some of the same thing. Will Don Brown still be rocking a ponytail? I, I hope so. That's my prayer. Right? 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 So, so... The church in Corinth, then, is wondering these things. Now, Paul answers his own a question with, with four different answers. We're going to look at these answers one at a time, break them down. They are heavy. They are beautiful. So let's look at verse 36. You foolish person, okay, that's generally not encouraging. He has a point, though. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Look at verse 37. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, okay, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. Verse 38. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Now what I love about this is if you were to read this, the first time like I did, you would be like, I have no idea what he is answering there at all, right? Like, like how, why did Paul all of a sudden become a hoarder culturalist? Did I say that right? Miracle of the Lord, right? Like, like, like what's happened? Why, why is he using seed and the image of seed to somehow describe the resurrection? Well, look at this again. What you sow does not come to life and let it, unless it dies, so in other words, there's, there's something that happens that he's even saying is beautiful when you die. And then he br brings up this image of a kernel, a plant, a seed. It's as if to say this little seed that we could even say is us right now, something happens to it that is incredible. Let me show you what I mean. Next slide. Uh, guess what seeds they are, uh, these are. Any, any guesses here? Just throw them out. Okay, some of you guys are seed people, I think. Um, any guesses on what kind of seeds these are? What's that? Pumpkin. Great guess, but no. Any, any other guesses? Okay. 
Listen, these are, look at the mats, so this is how tiny they are. These are redwood seeds. Redwood seeds, okay? Uh, if you don't know what a redwood is, uh, let me show you. Here's a little baby redwood, which makes me want to sing Kumbaya. Next slide. Look at that little thing. He's so cute and cuddly, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can picture, you know, the little redwood tree that, you know, is, is outside on mama's window, basking in the sun, growing up to be nice and tall. But if you don't know what a redwood is, let me help educate you. That seed goes from that little less than a match seed to this. This is just the base of a redwood, okay? So we're talking like three humans, one and two kids, okay, if you're counting, right? Like three humans across. So Paul is saying with the image of weed, I'm using redwoods to prove the point, that somehow this seed becomes something else. So I started learning about germination, right, like crazy, you know what I'm saying? Have any of you guys ever watched the process of a seed to a plant? It's really, really interesting for about three minutes, and then it gets boring. But, but, okay, what you find out is this crazy process that God has ordained in a seed is there's literally like this covering of a little, for lack of a better term, plant embryo. And what happens is, like, as sun and water and some of the natural uh, forces happen, this, like, this seed goes from this little minuscule thing to become something unbelievable. Now, there's a lot of inferences that we must make already. Okay, maybe you haven't made them or connected them yet, but let me share it to you like this. Next slide. Answer number one, summary. God gives those in Christ a transformed body that is birthed from the old, but is new, unique, and personal. So in other words, if he's using the image of a seed, the plant still comes from the seed. You guys understand what I'm saying? It still comes from it. So that means that our heavenly bodies are going to be a, a transformation of who we are now. So who we are now is, is a piece, a seed, if you will, of who we will be in glory. So now, like, are we going to be recognizable? Well, probably. Will we care? I'm not sure. You see what I'm saying? Like, we'll be so wrapped up in the glory of God, I'm not sure I'll, you know, like, walk up to Don and give him a hug. I hope so. I hope that we get to do that. But our bodies then will become something else. So it's not just the old becomes new, but it's the old transforms into a new form. Okay, still resembling the old. Does that make sense? Let's move on. Verse 39. Okay, some of you are like, that doesn't make sense. I pray it will now. We're talking about fish. Okay, fish generally make sense. Verse 39, look at this. For not all flesh is the same. But there's one kind for humans, I love that, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. Inevitably, first time you take your kids fishing, okay, which for me hasn't happened often, you guys know this, I struggle with fishing because I struggle with patience. Anyone else? If I haven't caught a fish in 30 seconds, I'm done, okay? But I'm trying to teach my kids what I struggle with, right? So I'm trying to teach them patience. So I figure if there's one way to teach them patience, you go fishing, like that's the best way, okay? So we go fishing, and this happens with, with any kid you teach how you teach to fish. Sure enough, you, you catch, you know, probably a little, you know, little smallmouth bass. Is that, a, is that a fish? Okay. 
You catch a little guy, right? And then you bring him up out of, out of the boat, okay? Uh, and I'll just be 100% honest. You guys also know I have a lot of oddities. I'm a clean freak, okay? Do I like touching fish? Absolutely not, okay? But I don't want to lose face in front of my, my boys, okay? So I, that's right, I put on a glove, okay? <laughs> I grab that thing, okay? And I, you know, I, I looked pretty hardcore, I remember. But listen, the one question that you always ask your kids, or the one thing that you're saying to them is, touch him. Seriously, touch the fish. Why? Because they're going to touch something that's, that's new. They've touched their skin, but to touch the fish, it's like, a, it's like an experience. For me, only one time. I don't need to go back. But for my kids, <laughs> but for my kids, it's a beautiful thing. You guys understand what I'm saying? Now, how about animals? The same thing. Listen, why do they have those big old bears in Cabela's? It's not so that little kids can, like, take pictures with it, right? It's so they can go up and what? And touch it. You know what I'm saying? And some adults do, and that's very weird, okay? But, but overall, like, there are different kinds of flesh. Fish feel different. Animals feel different. Humans feel different. If your spouse ever tells you you feel like a bear, that's probably an issue, okay? Now, look at this. Another for birds, another for fish, verse 40. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly body is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. In other words, God has made all of these things to not just have a flesh that's distinct, but to have a purpose that is distinct of the other pieces. Verse 41 even adds to the point. Look at this. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. And now you're starting to get weirded out because you're like, is Paul becoming an astrologist? No, he's, he's pointing out something beautiful about creation. For star differs from star in glory, and here's what he says poignantly, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. And at first, you, probably like me, are saying, so it is what? What do fish and birds and animals have to do with our resurrection bodies, right? Let's summarize it this way. Next slide. The earthly body must be transformed to exist in the presence of the, glory, uh, of the glory of God in heaven. So in other words, this physical, deteriorating body, frail body, fragile body, getting old body, to be in the presence of God must be transformed. Again, there is, as the scripture says, glory in the earthly but to encounter God's glory, to be wrapped up in it, to be near him, there's a beautiful transformation that must take place, of which some of you already are like, praise be to God. Right? One of the things I long for you to understand all throughout this evening is Paul's point in this whole driving text is that somehow understanding the bodily resurrection does something. I, for one, have never believed that it would. I've told you guys before, I struggle with the end times for the same reason. People come up, what do you believe about the end times? I say, he's coming back. That's good enough for me. I don't need to know anything else. He's coming back. That's great. But what I realize in this journey is actually an understanding of why he's coming back and even at times how he's coming back 
means something. Paul's point is, listen, if you understand the implications of the resurrection body, it means something. What it means, we're going to discover together. Let's move on. Look at how he continues his argument in answer number three. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. Please see this. This is awesome. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in, what's the word? Come on. Power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also then a spiritual body. Let's look at this in way of comparison. Next slide. Okay. The natural perishable dishonor and weakness. That is how all of us are born into the world. Again, not a great picture on our life, right? Every single person that has ever been born, they're born perishable, they're born dishonoring because they're born sinners, and they are born weak. But something happens in the resurrection body. It becomes perishable and then all of a sudden imperishable. It goes from dishonor to glory. It goes from weakness to power. Next slide. If there's one thing that I think this describes, it's hope. Can I ask you this? Listen. Does this slide right here mean anything to you? As you look at this, is this just another teaching, another text, another thing to learn? Or already, are you sitting in your chair and your heart's being stirred? Because you've come to realize something unbelievably powerful. Let me show you what you're coming to realize. Next slide. You guys remember this passage? Earlier in this chapter. If in Christ we have, what's the word? If in Christ we have hope in this life only... If our only hope is in this life, then we're just like the rest of the world, right? We hope it's going to get better. We hope the sickness are going to be healed. We hope our job situation will improve. We hope our physical form may make some advancements. We hope, we hope, we hope. But listen, if all we hope is is in this world, then we're just like the rest of the world. Okay, there is this hope in temporary things that ultimately will fade. And as the scripture said, then we're the most to be pitied. But but if our hope is not ending in this world, if our hope is something deeper, if our hope is eternal, then can I, listen, can I ask you something? Isn't this one of the moments then where the word being living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, all of a sudden makes the heart palpitate? Next slide. Look at it this way. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. Here's what Spurgeon says. The righteous are put into their graves all weary and worn. But as such, they will not rise. Somebody, please. They go there with the furrowed brow. I don't understand that. The English must have. Okay? The hollow cheek, the wrinkled skin, they shall wake up in beauty and glory. We right now are watching day in and day out, one another deteriorate. We're seeing fragility. 
Okay, we're watching how weak these vessels are. But there is hope in something that goes far beyond ourselves. But my question is, does that do anything in your heart? Next slide. Let's see it this way. What can hope do? Um, I want you to put on your in the history cap, if that's the right way of saying it. What's one time in your life that you were the most hopeful for something? The one time in your life you wanted something so bad, you hoped for it with great assurance, determined, you pleaded, you prayed. Can I ask you this? Haven't you learned in that experience and many, many others that the power of hope is something that is so unbelievably special that we as believers seem to be lessening. You guys understand what I'm saying? If all I have is the hope in this dishonoring body, this weak body, this frail body, if that's my hope, if my hope is that I'll be a better parent tomorrow, if my hope is that grandpa and grandma won't be sick anymore, if my hope is that, you know, my financial situation is going to turn, do you know how depressing that is on the day-to-day? You know because you battled with it just like me. There's times where all of a sudden this eternal all of a sudden seems very, very small and, and we get wrapped up in hoping for things that ultimately aren't a hopeful at all. But the power of a hope that is long-lasting, the power of a hope that's eternal, the power of a hope that goes far beyond what I'm asking is, what can hope do? Can it make worshipers? Can it stir us to obedience? Could it right now cause the body of Christ in this room to rise up in joy? I have to believe that it can. So next slide, when I see these two things and understand this answer, it wells in me a longing to let hope be what it is. Something that transforms every minute of every day. For those in Christ, the sown natural body will be raised to a spiritual body that will be glorious, powerful, and imperishable. All right, real talk for a second. Unlike everything else, uh, listen, listen. Isn't it just like weird to think about? Come on. Every time I start thinking about heaven and the body and the imperishable, it's strange. Because you start thinking about a time that never ends. And because everything in our life does, it's just so weird to even think about, right? Um, uh, my kids ask me all the time, so daddy, when we're in heaven... Like, it never ends, and like and they can't even wrap their mind around it, and I can't either. So the thought of being imperishable, the thought of not needing rest in the way we do now, the thought of all of the needs that this body has just being gone, can we just agree right now? Like, that's crazy strange, isn't it? But does the strangeness, does the hope of that reality stir us not to inspiration, but to a place of worship? That's my big question tonight. Now, next slide. Look at this. Answer four. 
Adam versus Jesus, WWE style, okay? Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being. That's Adam, okay? The first Adam, just for clarity. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, right? Adam comes first. And then the spiritual in terms of what his resurrection or life represents. Jesus certainly always was, but in terms of the genealogy of first Adam and last Adam, that's what Paul's talking about. Verse 47. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. You guys remember? God makes Adam from dust. Dudes in this room, you come from dust. Females in this room, you come from ribs. I've shared this before. I did a youth conference back when I was a youth pastor called Dust and Ribs. It was awesome, okay? It was all about, like, human sexuality and guys and girls. I want to do another one, okay? Dust and Ribs, just awesome, okay? Let's, let's keep moving, right? The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. This is Jesus. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of dust. That's us. And as is the man of heaven so also are those who are of heaven. Powerful statement, verse 49. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, again, feel free to dance in the aisles if you'd like, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We really could just call it a night right now. So if the hope of weak to powerful imperishable or perishable to imperishable, dishonoring the glory. If the hope of that wasn't enough, how about we try on this for size from Philippians chapter 3. Check this out. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on now. Who will? Stop. My guess is, Sometimes you're driving down the road, in the shower, talking to someone, and that little, like, piece of doubt comes up, right? Have we just all made this up so that we feel better about our eternity? Like, maybe there was a historical Jesus, but did he really rise from the dead? Like, who even came up with the Bible, right? Like, some of these doubts start to stir in you. Some of these doubts start to rise. If you feel like you're the only doubter, okay, you're not alone. Trust me. But I love the moments when amidst my doubt, I see statements like, who will? He will. He promises it's going to happen. Jesus will transform our lowly body to be what? Come on. Like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Hello. So somehow then, something happens that we aren't just resurrected to look, you know, like some semblance of a transformed mark. But Don Brown is actually going to resemble Jesus. And every single believer in this room will bear the image of Christ. And again, like, listen, I can't, I can't, like, shock you with a defibrillator, even though sometimes I want to, okay? 
I can't like make you believe the hope of the statement, but can we just take a second and say, thank you, God. <laughs> right? Next slide, look at this. Let's say it this way, okay? Answer number four, our bodies are of Adam until the grave, but will be like Christ in heaven. The hope of this, the reality of this, the truth of this is insane. But I read, studied, got here. Okay, I feel like now I can walk away and say I understand what happens in our our resurrection body. But I was still left with where many of you are at. But does this truth do something? Like, Like how does this truth of understanding the resurrection body make some kind of difference in the day-to-day. Uh, maybe you'll remember this. Next slide. Remember when I asked you guys this? How much time do you spend working on your body? Remember when I asked that question? So I want to help, help give you a little perspective. Okay? Next slide. Look at this. Okay? Uh, we clean it. We comb it. We exercise it. We feed it. We shave it. We rest it. We clothe it. We look at it. We clip it. We dance it. Okay? And on and on and on. Do you understand how much time we spend on this body? Okay, how many times do you look in the mirror a day? Let's just take that for an example. And then you get hungry, so what do you do? Okay, you eat, and then you get thirsty, and so you drink, and some of you want to exercise, okay? I, for one, never want to exercise. Sometimes I try, okay, to press through, but generally I don't want to. Lord, help me, right, right? My point is, We spend a ton of time on the body. No, 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 listen. What if there was something to that then? What if uh, God knew that we would spend a lot of time on our body? Let me say it this way. What if he designed it that way? What if he put us in this flesh... So that somehow by understanding what happens to it, it would change our lives. You see, this is the point that I have never, ever, ever even cared about. Oh, the resurrection body, yeah, whatever, we'll be with the Lord. That's good enough for me. That's what I've always said. Which is true. But what if understanding this had like some sort of implication into right now? What if all of our confusion on the resurrection body all of a sudden meant something? Next slide. I want you to see it this way, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse awesome. Look at this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your, what's the word? Come on. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, hang with me here. We're going to put the puzzle together. I've read this verse, preached this verse lots and lots of times. Many of you guys know this. Before 1 Corinthians 15, Romans 12 was my favorite chapter. Right now, it's in the number two slot, okay? The reason is this call, this command, that somehow this body, this flesh, is to be a living sacrifice here and now, and that somehow is my spiritual act of worship. Now, what if somehow that was connected to a resurrected body? 
Next slide. Look at it this way. What if our hope for the perishable becoming imperishable, what if our hope for the weak becoming power, what if our hope for the dishonoring becoming glory, what if the hope of that led us to this place where we saw our bodies as a spiritual act of worship. Listen, let's step back. Let me say it this way. What if every single time you looked in the mirror, you worshiped? What if every single time you ate, you worshiped? You're like, I do. I'm not talking about that. Okay. Right. What if every single time you exercised, it wasn't about you and you worshipped? Listen, do you understand how much time we spend on the body? What if every single second that we were thinking about the body, worried about the body, exercising the body, putting our clothes on, shaving? What if in every single one of those moments... We were in that precise moment reminded of how frail and fragile we are, but how glorious we will be as Christ transforms this lowly earthly body to be like his. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? We spend so much time thinking, spending time on, imagining, exercising, working on this, what if all of those moments, which have generally been selfish, turn on its head to worship? Now Romans 12.1 makes sense to me. Because I'm always like, well, how can we ever be, you know, spiritual acts of worship all the time? Like, that's impossible. My flesh is too strong. But listen, I think about my body a ton. may not look like it, but I do, okay? And what if in every single one of those moments I'm brought back to the hope of what God is going to do? Listen, let me, let, me, let me get really straight with all of you. The deepest longing of my heart, here we go. The deepest longing of my heart is to help all of us together become worshipers. Why? Because many of us have attributed worship with the strum of a guitar. The deepest longing of my heart is that somehow we could together be on this journey where we're learning, driving down the car in complete silence, we worship. In conversation with brothers and sisters, we worship. Thinking about the body, looking in the mirror, exercising, putting on the clothes. Again, imagine men in this room. You're shaving and you cut yourself. And instead of grabbing the tissue to throw it on there so you're not embarrassed when you get to work, the first thought in your mind is, God, this body won't be fragile one day. Listen, what if the the first time uh, from this night you go to grab the ibuprofen, there was a big smile on your face even though your head was pounding because you knew there was one day where this thing won't be frail. And then you just fell on your knees and said, God, I am so hopeful for what you're going to do. You will do it. Imagine that. Imagine standing around the tables as we're watching the loved ones of ours pass away 
And though, yes, we would hurt and mourn, at the same time, there is this heart of worship. Why? Because we know this is temporary. It's frail. It's fragile. And God is going to make all things new. Do you guys understand? Now, all of a sudden, every single minute of every single day has this opportunity for us to become worshipers. That's why this is so critical. Please see this. Understand this. Next slide. I, just, I want you just to embrace this, okay? Next slide if you can there, Sean, okay? Understand this. See this. What if the reminders of our deteriorating natural body brought us to a continual place of worship? What would that look like? So now all of a sudden I'm stepping back and I'm like, I have for years said I don't care about the resurrection body, but as for me in my house tonight, all of a sudden I'm like, Lord, I'm like right now feeling sweaty. And I could think about that, seriously. And I could think about that. And you're going to walk out here and you're going to stub your toe. And tomorrow morning, some of you are going to wake up and work out. You're going to go home and eat. This never stops. The mealtime prayers. Imagine sitting there with your kids, parents. And instead of just saying the nice, pleasant, God, thank you for this food. All of a sudden... Daddy and mommy started throwing down prayers like, I'm so thankful that there's going to be a day when the fragility of this body will not need this to be satisfied. Can you imagine that moment, right? And all of a sudden you've got his, you know, your son getting ready to eat a hot dog. He opens his eyes and he sees mommy and daddy not gorging their face, but on their knees. Church, listen, please hear my heart. The implications of the resurrection do not stop. I asked you when we started this series, I'm going to keep asking you, it's either everything or nothing. If Jesus raised, then it's everything. If he didn't, it's nothing. But I'm saying, my friends, the chance for us to worship even right now, to become living sacrifices is our joy. Let's stand together. Come on. Now, if you're like me, this all sounds nice, but you're already worried about the implementation. You're already worried about walking out of these doors and something happening to this body and your first reaction not being worshipped. I understand I'm there with you. But what if tonight, listen, what if tonight as a church, as friends, as brothers and sisters, what if we cried out in prayer? What if we cried out in prayer and thanksgiving and hope? What if like the thing that gripped us right now is, God, we absolutely need you. We long to be spiritual acts of worship with our body. We long to embrace that. God, we desperately need your help. Listen, some of you, haven't pleaded to the Lord for help like this in a long time. It's time now. So listen, in your own way, maybe it's out loud, maybe it's grabbing hands of friends or family members. Let's make some space and time right now and ask God 
to show us the power of what the resurrection body means now. Come on, my friends, let's pray together. Call out to him. Yes, Lord. Help us, God. Teach us, God. Stir us, God. So God, we don't, we don't even have the words to say. So we're asking that your spirit would intercede for us. But God, we do know this. We are sick and tired of allowing the natural to dictate our view of you. We're sick and tired of it, God. We repent of it. We repent of putting all of our chips in on the temple. God, we ask for your forgiveness for the ways that we have put so much stock in all these things that ultimately provide us nothing. Instead, God, right now, will you reshape our mind, reshape our heart? God, will you, re- will you renew our mind? God, what we're asking is, will you make us worshipers? Force us to our knees if that be the case. Rip things out of our life. Open up our eyes so that we could see again the awe of who you are. Will you, right now in this moment, as a church, as friends, as family, will you stir within us this desire to worship you in all things because you are all things? Help us, God. 